Hey, really good friends. This podcast contains adult content and language. Listen with care. Hello. And welcome. To Historically Really Good Friends. A queer history podcast. I am Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblow. And it's winter. It is winter and it stinks. You don't like it? I don't like that it gets dark so early. I am having just some trouble with that and no amount of sad lamps can get me through it. No, it was like five o'clock last night and it was dark and I was driving and I was confused. Mm -hmm. I was disoriented. Yeah. And I wanted to go to bed. I was like ready to hibernate. That's it. That's it. I want to go to sleep. Wait, I already went to sleep really early. I want to go to sleep earlier. And like I wake up and it's not super bright. I get to the office. The sun is up. But then by the time I'm leaving the office and driving home, it's dark again. And... Listen, I love the moon as much as any girly, but I don't need Mm -hmm. to see it so much. No, it's like, what are you doing? Like, we get it. We see you. Hello. Hi. We celebrate you. Enough. Enough is enough. It's her moment in the sun, literally. Yes, that's true. It's the moon's moment in the sun. That is true. However, would love to just get a little bit more sun. I would love if we abolished the daylight saving. Oh, yeah. And some states don't have daylight savings time. It's, uh, it's, time is an illusion. Truly. For those who don't know, every single year, we change the time by an hour. For no reason. It doesn't apply to us anymore. But every single year, we roll our clocks back so that we get one extra hour of light in the morning. And then it's darker at night. And then in the spring, we change it back. So right, so like, that we get an extra hour of light. Of light, right. At right, night. Right. And it's just, that's why everyone enjoys, on top of it being warmer, but I don't mind the cold so much. I just mind the, the darkness. The darkness. <laughs> when it gets the darkness. dark at like 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, it, it is really difficult to like sustain a healthy home life after coming right. home from work when I'm like, okay, time for bed now. Because I'm a child, so it gets dark, and I'm like, okay, bedtime. (laughs) Right, instantly your little caveman brain is like, darkness means slumber. Right, right. And also, I'm going to blame this on daylight savings time. I've gained about 10 pounds because I don't know when to eat anymore. Because I'm like, like, because I'm like, it's dark, it's 4 p.m., sun's going down, it's time for dinner, but 4 Mm -hmm. p.m. is not dinner time. So then it's like 8, and I'm like, oh no, I'm hungry for dinner. Time for second dinner. But I'm not. And so right, then I eat the two issue. dinners. So then I eat two dinners. Dinner because, and second dinner. Yeah, dinner and second dinner because I am just confused. And it's right. the light's problem. It's not my fault. So Rachel, how do we solve this? What do we do? I probably like call Congress, which being honest, I'm not going to do. What if we just like erected really big stadium lights that were like oh. over the country? Mm-hmm. That we like just... a Hunger Games dome type situation. Yes, but over the entire United States. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, we kind and of just... are already in a Hunger Games dome, it feels like. We are. And if we really want to just like up the energy crisis, up the mm-hmm. climate crisis, mm-hmm. let's definitely add more electricity to the mix with just like a, lamps. A, up there just a into huge the... 
Pixar style lamp. Yes, yes. Up there in the atmosphere, the bulb just, is so big that it's just the heat is shining, so yeah. intense. It's killing birds. The ecosystems are sun. ruined. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's set it ablaze. Speaking of artificial sun, did you know that there's a water park in Germany that's in an old airplane hangar that outside it's like desolate snow landscape, mm-hmm. but inside is like 80 degrees sun, beaches, warmth island so people will go on vacation to this airplane hangar and like live in a villa for like a week like at a hotel but wear like bathing suits and go to the beach and go swimming and like them yes but isn't that wild that we're just like able to do that that is so wild i did not know that but that is incredibly wild and actually goes into the question sort of that i had written down yeah you should say oh no because this question is just really funny on its own it says jared how often do you think about ai as in artificial intelligence Mm. and we're talking about artificial things tell me how often you think you think about ai not much okay i don't give her much time a day i think about it often i know you do you you are afraid I am so afraid. You and are so nervous. That's why I'm changing the subject from that because I don't like that we're just making up weather. I don't like it. I don't like anything artificial. Get it out of here. It's scary. Okay. It's frightening. So um, I just real quick ahead. because I heard this yesterday and we don't have to talk about it, but I did see Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. If that's his name. The physicist or, or yes. cosmic. Whatever yes, he is. Him. Cosmo- he's a cosmetologist. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. The, yeah. Yes, he owns a salon. <laughs> the Him talking about the likelihood of whether or not we're in a simulation. Ooh. Okay, what did and he say? It was leaning towards there is a high chance that we could be because if we're already creating like games like The Sims, right, that's like lifelike and has homes and jobs and emotions and languages and stuff, who's to say that? there's not technology so good that it's putting us in this lifelike detailed realistic game have you ever seen the fucking tv show westworld that's when things get a little creepy crazy wild but if we're in a simulation that has but you just want to be like a lab rat character who you drown in the pool you take the ladder out of the pool and then you drown them and they swirl around down there what what does that matter to me if you're the sim that got the ladder taken out of the pool, you're not going to be too super happy about it. That's just how I live, though, then. Fine. I don't know the difference. I guess we have a difference of opinion on that. Um, my guess. conversation about AI was not going to be so freaky, creepy, crawly. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's fine, but now I was going to take a nap after recording this because it's a Sunday afternoon, and now I'm not going to. No, I want um, you to sit up all day thinking about whether I you're real or not. <laughs> I'm going to. I really am. <laughs> what I was going to say, and I don't even know if this re- is related to AI, but <laughs> that know. I was doing something at work, like we were doing like a wordsmithing thing, right, mm-hmm. with a group of people. And I typed in equity on a mm-hmm. Google Sheet, and it said it was a spelling error. It said, did you mean equality? I was like, girl, no, I meant equity. And also AI is sometimes like, that's not really AI, but AI has issues like that where it's like, it can be racist and sexist and homophobic, Mm -hmm. just like anything else. And that's why I was wondering how often you thought about AI, because AI has very human problems. Well, let me ask you. Ask me. How are you 
incorporating AI into your winter holiday season? I am not buying an Amazon Alexa. Okay. But I've been really trying in all my various running arounds for holiday Mm -hmm. season time, buying gifts, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Has been using Siri a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Hey Siri, text mm-hmm. Jared mm-hmm. that I'm not recording the podcast today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Excuse you. So, so, so I things do. like that. And then I, I always thank Siri. <gasps> oh, send it. Send it. Send. You just got a text message from me that says I'm not recording the podcast today. I haven't yet. I just did. Yeah. I did. Rachel so Craig, see I'm not AI. recording the podcast today. Thank thank her. Say thank you, Siri. Thank you, Siri. You you want to keep them on your good side. Scary. Also, my contact Very. name, Rachel Craig. We've been friends for 10 years. I'm not a middle school girl. Why do I need to put emojis next to your name? I mean, No, you, you can take my last name out. No, that's not how an address book works. Okay, well, you're just Jared. Okay, how many Jareds do you know? Two. Who's the other one? Eddie's cousin, but I don't have his phone number. <laughs> <laughs> so then it doesn't matter. <laughs> I gotta hate you. Oh my god. Okay. Well, <laughs> Jared, Jared, how are mm-hmm. you incorporating AI into your holiday season? I'm not. Okay. So <laughs> great. So you really don't think about AI at all? No. Why okay. I? Great. There you go. All right. Well, if we're now done talking about AI. Now take that and transition it into your story. Okay, let's go from AI to my subject. There's an A and an I in his name. His last name actually has AI right next to it, so could be related to AI. There you go. Today I'm talking to you about Jackson Haynes, the father of figure skating. Oh, I love it. And AI bots could probably figure skate so there you go it's all full circle it's all working it goes all the way to the top i'm so ready and excited amazing so i wanted to talk about someone that felt wintry that felt cool and icy Mm. and you know i wanted to get into the you the winter season we don't get snow in California where I am. We get snow in California, not where I live. Okay. But I want to feel like we're entering into a white winter kind of Christmas, you mm-hmm. know, in the Northern Hemisphere. Sure. So we're talking about figure skating. We're talking about Jackson Haynes. Now, the sources that I used to introduce you to Jackson Haynes are three articles from the Skate Guard blog, including Jackson Haynes' The Definitive Biography, A Timeline of LGBTQ Plus Figure Skating History, and Haynes Revisited, Same-Sex Ice Dancing in Vienna. The Man Who Invented Figure Skating Was Laughed Out of America by Aaron Blackmore for History.com, Jackson Haynes, The Father of Figure Skating from the Ice Stage Archives, and then I referenced his Wikipedia page for a few minor details. I'm so excited. I love figure skating. Tell me about the father of it. Okay. Well, before I tell you about him, I do want to say that thousands of years before Jackson Haynes is even born, figure skating or some sort of rudimentary version of figure skating exists. Mm -hmm. In about 3000 BCE, indigenous Scandinavians used trimmed animal bones to propel themselves across the ice. But by the time we reach the Victorian era, and specifically in the U.S., the years leading up to the Civil War, so the 1850s and early Mm -hmm. 60s, ice skating is a beloved pastime. 
When cold spells would freeze over ponds, skaters would take to the ice with rough, handmade blades attached to their shoes with simple leather straps. And then, in those preceding Civil War years, we see a sort of skating craze sweep the country. Skating clubs begin to pop up everywhere, and then there's this ideation or formation of skating as a competitive sport. However, the skating style during this time period is nothing like we know figure skating to be today. Mm -hmm. The type of skating at this time is known as English style. Now, based on that title alone, what do you think English style skating is? Um, I would think skating that originated in England. Okay, and how do you think that would look? Stompy. Stompy. Interesting. Stompy. Just like not, maybe not super graceful. I don't know. So you hate people from England. Great. No, no, no. But just like, just, yeah, I'm going to stick with Stompy. (laughs) Okay, Stompy. Well, English style skating is an incredibly stiff, very plain, very uncomfortable to watch, in my opinion, form of figure skating. Okay. The skaters have straight legs. They can't be bent at the knee. Their arms have to be straight down close to their sides. And they kind of just like push off the ice and glide and then do like a quick little turn and then do it again, all at a quote unquote reasonable speed as the Royal Skating Club's general principle state. So they almost look like a toy soldier or like a nutcracker, Mm. the way they hold themselves. And Mm -hmm. they kind of like keep this posture and just like go. Okay, that is so fascinating to me. Um, I would love to watch that. Oh, you can see videos online. It is like three people on ice and they're just kind of floating. And then all of a sudden they like whip turn. Yeah, they just sort of And then they just push off again. And then, yeah, it's like... It's, it's very it's, militaristic, it sounds yes, like, almost. Yes. Okay. And so this is how it was. And while keeping this kind of posture, these skaters also have to respond to callers who would essentially shout at the skaters what to do. And then the skaters have to do these like technical and, and be exact and perform the requested moves. So it's not at all what we know figure skating to be today. No, but it sounds far more interesting, honestly. And... Of course, this English style isn't like the end-all be-all of figure skating. It's just the predominantly recognized form in England and the U.S. as the activity begins to be formally recognized. But depending on where you live in the world, that kind of dictates what kind of skating you're doing, right? If you have long frozen streams, you might be doing some sort of like racing. But if you have a tiny lake that doesn't allow for long stretches, you might just be doing more like tricks and turns and twists. Right. Now... All of that being said, now that we have like a teeny tiny bit of history on figure skating and what it used to be like, let's shift gears to Jackson Haynes, the father of figure skating, which already exists. So interesting that he's the father to something Mm. that was born before him. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So the public records that exist of Jackson Haynes are really scarce. There are no known birth records for Jackson. However, he appears in the 1860 New York State Census, age 21 and living in New York City, meaning that he's born in 1839 or 1840. What we know from his descendants is that his mother came from a family of early Dutch settlers in New Jersey, and his father's family emigrated from England and settled on Long Island. His grandfather was a hat manufacturer, and Jackson was raised in New York City. He was one of five children, 
smack dab in the middle. He had three sisters and one brother, all of whom were educated in select schools. They were tutored, made to study French, music, and dancing. The family was also very involved in the arts and frequently went to theaters to see shows. One other fact about Jackson I want to include is that his family, while comfortably like middle or upper middle class, Mm -hmm. takes in travelers for some money. And so he grows up being exposed to people from all over, such as Russia, Holland, and Belgium. So already at an early age, he's like being introduced into the fine arts and people from around the world and becoming kind of cultured. cultured. Exactly. Around the age of nine, Jackson is taught to ice skate at Mr. Disbrow's Skating Academy at the Winter Garden Mm. in New York, and then continues to skate throughout his childhood on ponds and lakes and other bodies of frozen water. It's then suggested that around the age of 10, Jackson is taken to Europe in the care of a relative to study ballet and doesn't return to the States until he's around the age of 17. So he's just like gone off studying dancing and being formal and artistic and creative. (laughs) Great. Now, Jackson, when he comes back to the U.S., works some jobs and tries to be an adult, tries to move on by getting an office job, tries to be like a man of the... 19th century sure but the allure of ice skating calls to him so much that he quits his job and focuses on being a figure skater he's like i need to figure skate this is what i was it's born my to dream do. it's my passion. i have to do it dad you can't it's not stop just me. a phase mom it's not just a phase father and so there's a few other factors that lead to his journey into a, a figure skating career the two main being his involvement already in casual leisurely ice skating and his education in dance and movement mm-hmm. which sorry real quick have you ever considered ice skating to be like a leisurely thing i feel like every time i, I go ice skating i'm about to die there's like nothing calm about ice skating oh i love ice skating do you well, I, I grew up on the lake, so we used to go ice skate. I feel a little more competent ice skating than maybe the average Joe, okay. but I find it I find it fun. Maybe not like relaxing, my, but leisurely. I think it's a leisurely activity. My brother and my dad used to play ice hockey, and I oh. never did it. So putting on blades, I'm like, I'm going to stab myself. I'm yes. going to die. I'm going to hit my head on the lake. Or like on the break ice. my wrist, fall right. over. Yeah. And uh, just ice like constantly, hockey is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you are Donald Duck just like yes. falling over. Yes. Yes. Okay. Hate it. Fair, fair, fair. But to Jackson, it's his life and he loves it. So Jackson throws in the office job towel and is hired by the Winter Garden Theater in New York, the same place he learned to ice skate at age nine, and by the early 1860s is received pretty well when he skates for audiences. And as a reminder, he skates in this widely recognized uber stiff and lifeless English Mm. style. Foreshadowing wants to come. The short version of what happens next is that he tours as a skater in Northern America during the first part of the 1860s. So the States and Canada competing in skating competitions, winning medals, and being dubbed a national champion, or so the biographies of Jackson claim. (laughs) There's no singular governing body over figure skating, not until the 1920s. So cities and countries are able to sort of call whoever whatever in figure skating without there being this like official nature to it so okay he may have been called all of these wonderful high titles but there may in truth he could have never just have made been, it up right there may have never been these championships okay. that he claims to have won okay around this time too 
Jackson meets and marries a woman by the name of Alma Bogart, and together they have three children, Clara Louise, Abram, and Eugene. However, Clara Louise passes away at an early age, so Mm. they just have Abram and Eugene. But going back to when I mentioned that Jackson was a trained dancer, he had a desire to start skating to music rather than a caller's instructions, and begins to incorporate and translate his dance moves onto the ice. But with the invention of the boombox being literally a century away, I love to imagine that Jackson, like, drags along a full band every time he goes and skates and, like, makes the violinist and cellist sit in the snow. Like, they're, like, shivering, but they're, like, playing their instruments as he's dancing. I I can't see any other way around it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did he? Did it just the music is in his head? Like... I'm like I'm like pretty sure he had a band with him he like, like had a band sh- he was like please come play this music for me while I skate on this frozen lake and they're like That's... yes let's do it yes I love it oh my god crazy. There, there's no other way there's no other way and so he begins toying around with the idea of skating to music but with the music he begins to skate more fluidly and because mm-hmm. he's skating more fluidly there's more movement there's more action happening so Jackson screws his skates directly into his boots rather than keeping them secure with a leather strap which gives him increased levels of stability and the ability to take on more difficult and athletic moves jumps mm-hmm. leaps and turns now I just watched this show on Netflix called The English Game about soccer and how the working class made it into the game we know today and how the elite who started the game really resisted the change and the new players and rules. Mm -hmm. And while I wouldn't recommend the show because I did not like it. Oh, I was going to just type it in to watch it. I I wouldn't do it. It's it's not worth it, I don't think. Okay. The same concept applies to Jackson's innovative new skating techniques and styles. Audiences acquainted with the rigid English style of skating quite dislike Jackson's new flamboyant theatrical take. They see these spins and jumps and look at Jackson like he's an egregious monster ruining the sanctity of the sport (laughs) or the art. The audiences literally give Jackson the cold shoulder, or even more embarrassingly, they laugh at him and basically reject him from skating. So it's like the one thing he's like, I'm so passionate about doing this. I'm going to make it into this new thing. Everyone's like, ha ha, you're a failure. We hate it. Right. He like is trying to innovate the sport and honestly make something different. Like it's not even like I'm trying to make your sport different. I'm just trying to do something that I like. And they're like, yeah, actually you suck. Get out of here. I'm going to throw tomatoes at you. And that's never what we do it do again. Now. Right. right. Like, we, we get out of my you. city. Right. <laughs> Quite literally. And so, rude audiences that don't like his new revolutionary bolted skates or complex routines, along with the fact that occupations such as dancing, acting, and performing didn't offer much financial stability in the strained Civil War years, was enough to make Jackson leave America and his wife and two young children behind, all together in 1864. Okay. His hope? To move to Europe and find more liberal audiences that would accept and favor his new skating style and make his successful career as an entertainer. Okay. While there are some sources that claim Jackson would have his first skating performance only a few months after moving to England— There are also many claims that Jackson was met with large amounts of opposition. Mm. Why he would take his new skating style to the place that English skating style originated (laughs) 
I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It seems like a bad business move. Right. He's like, I'm leaving a place where people don't like what I'm doing. So I'm going to go directly to the the place where people will hate what I'm doing. Exactly. Exactly. Let's just take a risk. Go big or do not go home. No. Because this is my only option. (laughs) I can't go back. I left them. They're, They're behind me now. Not part of my life. Okay. However... This initial opposition must have quickly given way because by the next year, Jackson is performing frequently, entertaining audiences at the Prince of Wales Theatre in London, and even sends for his sister Elizabeth to be his skating partner. Mm. And it feels like if he was doing bad, he probably wouldn't bring another person to skate with him, hopefully. Right. He I mean, wouldn't subject someone else to being ridiculed. <laughs> I mean, maybe, though, he's doing so horribly that he thought his sister would save him. Maybe. But... Elizabeth either way joins him and the two skate as a pair for an entire year until Elizabeth is like, I'm homesick. I don't like it here. I'm going home. And she goes back to America. Okay. Meanwhile, and there's no way I couldn't add this like random crazy piece of information. While Jackson's off gallivanting in Europe and figure skating, both of his living children are tragically drowned in the Hudson River while visiting their grandparents. So Alma, his what? wife, or like now his ex-wife, is just left alone completely to grieve. <gasps> and so I read that and I was like, I th- really hope figure skating was worth it. Yeah, like I hope this fucking pans out for you because that's really sad. Right. And you know what? Did he know? Well, I mean, like, he did finds anyone out. tell him? He finds did anyone out. notify him? Oh my god. But you know what? What? It kind of is worth it. It kind of does work out. So, oh, well, well, working out and being worth it are two different things, but glad it worked out. <laughs> it, it definitely works out because after Elizabeth leaves back for the States, Jackson's like, I need, I need to do something more. I need right. people, I need to take this show on the road and more people need to see my skating to music, my twists and my turns, like step aside English style. Right. So starting in 1865, Jackson tours various cities in Germany, Paris and Stockholm. Mm. And because he's sort of like the talk of the town doing all of these new cool moves and performances, like tens of thousands of spectators come to watch him. Wow. He performs, displaying all of these theatrics, wearing costumes, playing music. He takes his show to Russia and Sweden in 1866 and 67, where his ever-growing popularity allows him to befriend emperors and rulers. He's endowed with riches and presents, such as gem-encrusted medals and diamond rings. My god. And when Jackson isn't ice skating at this point, he's roller skating. So he's like constantly performing now, no matter the time of year, and people are eating it up. It's like he doesn't have to rely on juggling. He doesn't have to be a pantomime anymore. Like he is, he's He's a skater. exclusively like doing skating. Right. And everybody is like in love with him. Everybody's obsessed. But then in late 1867, early 1868, Jackson makes his way to Vienna, Austria. Mm-hmm. At his debut performance, 3,000 spectators are present. In author George Brown's book, Figure Skating, he writes of the performance, quote, he, meaning Jackson, performed a pirouette and took off his hat to a grand duke who was present, continuing with a series of evolutions on both feet, something in the style of a Philadelphia twist or grapevine, and when the band turned from the overture to a waltz tune, he broke into a double cross roll backwards. Haynes's advent caused a great sensation, and I have no doubt oh that this was the beginning of modern art in Vienna, end quote. That's, I mean, high praise. And now Vienna at this point 
two is going through this like absolute waltzing craze Mm -hmm. like they are obsessed with the dance they're obsessed with the music and so when they see jackson's moves they are simply obsessed it's like seeing michael jackson do the moonwalk like this man basically becomes an idol and Jackson's style of skating becomes known as the Viennese style or later the international mm. style. And so Jackson, capitalizing on this skyrocket of interest, opens a skating school in Vienna. Because, like, people with a mere interest in skating before become or, like, want to become involved as much as they can, joining right. the sport or, like, dedicating their time to it. And those with little to no interest at all before now want to become casual skaters and participate during like the wintry months right it's like everybody's interest is like brought up it's one the newest fad like it's a big trend now of just like you either want Everyone to compete to in this new style or you're just like yeah it's cold we're in vienna let me ice Let's skate do it. now exactly then jackson befriends a pupil more like a protege an mm-hmm. austrian skater named franz bilazi bilazi Bellazy, Franz. <laughs> Franz, if you will. Franz, if you will. And pretty quickly, the two men form a speculative, quote unquote, friendship mm. and skating partnership. In one routine, the men skate together with Jackson dressed like a bear and Franz dressed like a bear trainer. So they start implementing these like storylines to their performances, making it Ooh. even more of a theatrical event rather than just like watching someone skate all stiff and straight seeing who can right. like follow the rules the They're best like, and technically let's do perform costumes them. and right. bdsm like, i guess right, right. <laughs> it's like becoming like a full of entertaining event it's like no right. longer just people gliding on ice it's, it's a, a story it's mm-hmm. a show in 1871 jackson and franz even take the ice in prague with jackson dressed in full drag as a woman in one number and then the men doing a little same-sex dance routine afterwards and this wasn't just like a one-time situation this was a constant routine that the men performed together as the author of the skate guard blog ryan stevens writes in two articles based on jackson and stick with me through this like long frankensteining of quotes okay. he writes quote i personally find it quite intriguing that haynes a graceful skater who left his wife and children behind in america found great freedom on both stage and ice in europe performing in women's clothes and with a male partner his balletic style, flashy costumes, no wife by his side, his social circle and close relationships with male students like Franz and fellow Vienna Skating Club member Leopold Frey have long led inquisitive minds to speculate about the American skating pioneer's true sexual orientation. And like we were talking about last week, mm-hmm. Ryan Stevens continues, We weren't there and we don't know who he was making babies with, but we do certainly know he was a barrier breaker and the father of the international style of skating, end quote. And so like we said last week with all of our historically really good friends, all we can do is speculate and draw our own conclusions with what little information we have. But I believe that somewhere within Jackson's life and story, there was some fluidity in his sexuality. You know, figure skating to me feels so queer for some reason that i can't imagine that he wasn't somewhere in the middle of the spectrum like there's always you know a thing of queer people being attracted to certain sports or certain activities no matter what century no matter what year it's like we for some reason always gravitate towards these certain things and because yeah there are a lot of queer figure skaters it feels like Mm -hmm. this is one of those like sports or activities where a lot of queer people are just like attracted to it so it feels somewhere there's got to be 
Right, as the father of it all. It has to come from somewhere, right? As the papa of figure skating. Right, (laughs) right. As the daddy of figure skating. Right. We have to, we we draw some conclusion. We have to. We would be remiss not to. Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. And so in 1875, after visiting so many countries and getting so much fame and becoming the papa of figure skating, and specifically after visiting Russia on a trip, it said that Jackson finally decides that it's time to go back to the States. Maybe now mm. audiences would be more accepting. Maybe it's time to bring his international style to his home turf. But being dramatic and flamboyant as ever, as he mm-hmm. is throughout his entire life, while traveling by sled from St. Petersburg mm. to Stockholm, he's overtaken by a severe snowstorm, contracting pneumonia and tuberculosis, and dies in Finland. Oh my gosh just like before he's even able to get back to the states he's before like, he's even I to, must take a sled i have to sled across multiple countries i mean it kind of does sound cool but i mean yeah That's at that I'm time you probably are going to get sick right but so before he can go back home and be like mm-hmm. eat it i told all of you this style of skating is going to become right. the dominant style and everyone's going to follow my moves he in fact eats it He, in fact, he eats it, yes. (laughs) And his tombstone in Finland reads, America's skating king, despite finding his success almost entirely in Europe. Yeah. Either way, today, we say, long live the king, the Mm. father of modern-day figure skating, Jackson Haynes. Oh, well, thank you. That was a really, really interesting story. I feel like I learned so much about figure skating an already fascinating subject. And I do think that, you know, just like we talked about last week, that this is already something that queer people find themselves in. And maybe that is thanks to the the innovation of Mm -hmm. Jackson Haynes. And so to that, we say thank you for queering figure skating. Absolutely. Thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making what it is today. Yes. And honestly, Jackson Haynes, I thank you for letting me be able to see incredibly hot men in tight outfits skate and dance. And And I enjoy it. And just have ripply muscles lifting people up. Yeah, it's hot. Hot, hot, hot. Despite being cold on an ice rink, it's hot, hot, hot. It's a magnificent sight to see. It truly is the great unifier. Everyone likes seeing hot people figure skate. I mean, queer or otherwise, it's if you just, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Everyone get out. can be attracted to someone figure skating, and that's that. <laughs> and that's what we're gonna leave you with. That's today's lesson. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jared. You're so very welcome. Thanks for tuning in to episode 41 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about figure skating. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes abandoning your wife and children a little bit more fun. As always, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you listen to this episode. And to see photos of Jackson Haynes and figure skating, make sure to check out our Instagram at historicallyreally. And feel free to send us your personal stories by DM on Instagram or email us at historicallyreallygoodfriends at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.